Good morning, New Hope. Oh, good. Good morning to you on the internet as well. If you're either on the internet or you're sitting here, I want you to do two things. First of all, I want you to pull out your notes. Pull out your notes, please. And the second thing, if you've got your cell phone, I'd like you to pull it out, please. Okay, pull your cell phone out. You got it? I know you all have, so pull them out. Mm, mm. Okay, I see that hand. Cell phones and notes, both in the air, please, so I can see we're up to. Where's your cell phone, Pete? What? <laughs> All right. Now, I want you to look at your cell phone. Don't answer it. <laughs> if you have a smartphone in your hand, you hold in your hand more computing power than it took to get us on the moon. Do you know that? More computing power than it took NASA to get you on the, uh, 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 to the moon. This machine is changing the behavior of a generation, including you. Especially including your children and your grandchildren. Why? My wife used to ask me this. Honey, why are you on the computer all the time? I said, darling, because on that one computer, I do a thousand things. It's like you have one machine where you cook, you do your washing, you do everything. Oh, one machine. In that one machine, I use it to find places, even places I know where to go to make sure I'm going the most expeditious route. As you know, Google bought Waze, and Waze is even better at finding, helping you get to a place on time because it's got far more things like traffic cameras helps me. (laughs) Speeding cameras helps. Accidents, and it helps you avoid all those things. You can listen to your music, as Martin said. By the way, how many of you got Spotify accounts? Yeah? Okay, those of you who don't, you can get them for free. So it costs you nothing, so you can still enjoy. Nobody should be buying CDs anymore. I can't believe, 30 years, 25 years ago was the last CD I bought. Using Spotify is for free. You can also get basically any of those good old songs that you used to like. And if you couple it with Shazam and you hear a good one, sometimes I'll be in a restaurant and I'll be going like this with my phone to Shazam to find out what the name of that song was, which I love. My wife's just gotten used to the weirdness of me anyway. You can use it for entertainment. You can use it for trading. You can use it for buying and selling. Even checking your heart and looking back years and how your heart and your exercise is going. So you can use it for a lot of things. I guess the important point is this. Based on the latest research, there are three and a half billion people owning smartphones today. That's huge. Now, before the smartphone, something shocking happened. When you were on the phone, people actually you used to use a phone, to, you used to listen on the phone. Now, today, we constantly look at our phone. Let me show you a few pictures up here. First picture. Chop, chop. <laughs> There's the first one. Okay. Sorry, Harry, you're going to be fast to keep up with me here. Here's a few images. Anybody seen that one before? Whilst people are waiting in line, head down. Ah, They're all looking down whilst they're waiting. Here's another one. Bit sad. Family of five. Ever seen that? I love to go to my favorite restaurant, which is, of course, what is it? Burger Burger. (laughs) My son owns it and his wife. But the point is, is that it disturbs me as a dad. When I see people going to a restaurant and on their blinking phones, what's even more upsetting, well, equally as upsetting, is when I see a couple on a date looking at their phones. There's something wrong with this. This is the 21st century version of fellowship. 
looking at their screens. In fact, the worst case scenario, on the way back from a mission trip, often my wife and I, we, my wife doesn't like to just go somewhere for fun. She says, honey, we can have fun, but I want to do something serious first. I go, okay. So we go often sometimes to a place like Africa, and we do some missions work, but on the way back, we have a bit of fun. I always like that part. But we go back, and I'm on this beautiful beach, and I look over my hotel balcony, and there is the classic. I should have taken a picture of that, hun. Right in front of me, there was a family downstairs laughing and giggling and having all sorts of... They were playing some sort of card games, and they were outrageously laughing. On the other corner of the pool over there was a family of five, and that's exactly what they're doing in the most idyllic place in Zanzibar. Unbelievable. We're constantly looking uh, look at our phones whilst we're even walking. Ever seen this next slide? Huh? Does this look familiar? Just to the lights. Now, here is a really sad. Don't put it up yet, not yet. Globally, this is going to be a problem. Next slide. Sorry, next one. That is a problem for population growth. <laughs> they should be doing something else in bed. Huh? Don't laugh, you've all been there. Well, this is a serious problem. Not very easy to have intimacy after being staring at your stupid screen. Well, men might be able to, but uh-uh, no way for women. They should be doing other things. Now, the latest statistic is that people check, and I checked this with a few people this week. I said, give me your phone. Don't tell me what you think. Give me your phone, because it's often only wildly inaccurate. And let me have a look at how many times you pick that phone up. And if you've got an iPhone, or even an Android, it will tell you how many times you pick that up. People check their phone on average every 12 minutes. That means that this little screen, you'll look at it 80 times a day. You go, no. You go home and have a look. Type in screen time and see how many times you pick that thing. Don't do it now. <laughs> I saw you reaching for that, Stefan. <laughs> now, all of these changes just happened a decade ago. Weird, because when we were of a prehistoric nature, when we got married, we didn't have a TV for seven years. Our kids didn't know what it was to see a TV until we went to America. Now, there are some implications of this, and this is what I want to draw on today. Both there's some upside, it's not all downside, but there is very definitely some downside to get balanced on this. If you spend if you're spending this much time looking at these screens, we need to deal with this as a spiritual issue too. Let me just call it. I'm telling you, it's going to negatively impact if you let it, your spiritual life, or you can use it to build it. So I want to do two things today. I want to look at the good side, the upside. And I want to look at how we can minimize the negative side and the negative aspects of it. So first of all, I want to start with the negative, the downsides. Now, in you, you hold in your pocket a new source of old temptations. Look, let me be clear. I think we're fairly good in this. Too young. Yet we're good to speak. Um, in the old days, if you wanted to see something that you weren't supposed to see, think back to the teenage years, you, it was pretty hard to get there. You had to go up, you had to shuffle up to the counter, make sure no one was looking and, and have a look at some particular magazine. And in those days, it wouldn't even covered in plastic. But it was still embarrassing because you knew everybody was looking. Huh? 
today that stuff gets poked to you. So, new source for old temptations. And you carry it in your pocket and you carry it in your purse. And then I want to look at five ways to use your phone for the glory of God, which is what I'm very interested in. I'm interested in both. So let's begin by looking at some of the hazards of using digital tools. And I'm talking here iPhones, iPads, laptops, any device that connects you online to the internet. This is what I'm talking about. Get it? Good. Let's move. Six hazards that you need to be aware of. Number one, I still want you to put this down, even though it's blindingly obvious, it can waste your time. On my cell phone. Now, let's get really specific, because it's no good using vague, vacuous generalities. Time is your most precious asset, and you only have a limited amount of it. The average Kiwi will live, and I checked it this week, everything I give you, I check. 29,711 days. That's what you will live if you're the average Kiwi, which is 81.4 years. Now... In this room, if you are over 28 years old, you've already kissed goodbye to 10,220 of those days. You'll never, ever, ever, ever get those back. And when you spend time, it's gone. If you learn to manage your time, you will end up learning to manage your life. Ephesians 6 says this, be careful how you live. Don't foolishly. Instead, live as wise people, making every minute count because the days are evil. You may want to circle every minute. He's saying you don't be careless with your life. And what he means by that is be intentional how you spend those precious moments. Some of you are very careful how you spend your dollars. It's far more important to be very careful how you spend your time. Now, why? Because the average Kiwi picks up his phone, remember, 80 times a day, and, I'll talk about this in a minute, based on the good research, secular research, and my anecdotal research, when I ask people to give me their phones this week, you'll spend an average of 3.4 hours a day looking at the screen. Now, that means, quick math here, not hard, roughly 24 hours a week. I don't do that. Ooh, you wait and you go check. Now, hold on. Wait. I didn't believe this when I read this, so I whipped out Excel and I double-checked this. That means you will spend 11 solid years, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 11 years of your entire life looking at this thing or some derivation thereof. Do the math. It's shocking. And that's why we need to talk about this. And by the way, that doesn't include video gaming. That's just being online and device. And the Bible says this thing here up on the screen. Now you may say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is helpful or beneficial. A thing may be permissible, but not everything is constructive and encourages growth. And as a parent, that's what I want for my children and my grandchildren. The Bible says some things aren't necessarily wrong. This is amoral. It's neither right nor wrong. It's how we use it. It's like my tongue. My tongue is neither evil 
or not evil. It is, a, excuse me, evil or good. It's how I use it. I can use it to build up or I can use it to tear down. Same for this thing. Now, it's not a sin for you to spend hours watching funny kitten antics, which are always hilarious, when, especially when they're scared, on YouTube. But it's probably not the best use of your time. You need to say, is this worth me exchanging my life for a bunch of clickbait? Which is really what it is. Because they get revenue from you clicking. The Bible says this on the screen. Proverbs 12, 11, Only a fool idles away his time. A fool. So if you're idling away your time, the Bible says that is really foolish behavior. So we all know it's easy to waste time on the internet. Second hazard is I can be seduced by the world's values. That's the second hazard in the internet. Because the internet, and particular social media, amplify trivia and make it seem like it's really important, and it's not. The world and the advertisers in it are constantly trying to influence you about how to think, what looks cool, how to be cool. What? And the world is constantly shouting at you, literally shouting at the top of their lungs through you, through the internet. And you're carrying it everywhere you go in your pocket. Previous generations did not have to deal with this. But you're carrying a device that advertises the world's value system of what? Passion. Positions. Position or sex, salary, and status. That is what the world is selling. You have this, you're successful. You don't have it, you're a failure. That's what they're telling you. That's what they're telling your children. And if you listen to something like that and look at it for long enough, here's the point. Whatever gets your attention gets you eventually. You're going to start copying it. You're going to dress like that. And you're going to act like that. And you're going to start to think like that. So whatever you look at all the time, you're eventually going to copy. That's why the Bible says this in Romans 12 too. It warns you. Be careful. It says, don't copy. The behavior and the customs, the repeated patterns of behavior of this world. Do not do that. Very clear, isn't it? Very clear. But, on the other hand, let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way that you think. The world's value, it values things like pleasure. That's right up the top there. And pastimes. And aspirations and even attitudes that have zero room for God. Look up here on the screen. This is pretty clear. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Sobering verse. And you go, hold on a minute. I'm confused. Doesn't John 3, 16 say, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son? It's the same book. 
John 3.16, same author. God so loved the world. Isn't that a contradiction? Actually, no, it's not. The answer is found in the sense of the way the world is used and love. In John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world. He's talking about the people of the world. We are to love the people of the world because they were created in the image of God and they have dignity. That's clear all the time. But in John, 1 John 2.15, he's saying, don't love the world's value systems. So the Bible says we're to love the people in the world, but we're to hate and distance ourselves. That's what sanctification is all about. Separating yourself from the world's value so you're not the same as the world. You're not to do that because it's anti-God. Love the people, hate the value system. Now the problem is we often do the exact opposite. We hate the people, we don't have time for the people, we don't love the people, and we love the value system. We are sometimes as materialistic as everybody else. And we're interested in pleasure and living for fun and making it the highest goal of our lives. That is the world's value system. That is worldliness, an old term. Same meaning, hasn't changed. We're interested in status. My new role, my job. What do you do for a job? We're interested in salary. How much I earn, how much you earn. Living for fun and possessions and power. We get it all backwards. Now look at this verse again. Don't love the world, anything in the world. If you have your Bibles, you look at that. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For what the world values, here it is, the, the Bible is very specific. What does the world value? Here they are. It has three big values. And I've just given you them in different terms, but here it is straight from the Scriptures. The lust for constant pleasure. That's called hedonism. I live for just pleasure. All about me and my pleasure. That's hedonism. The second big thing it's after, the world specifies, greed for more things. The lust of the eyes. Greed for more things. That's called materialism. And then lastly, the the boastful um, positioning. We like to appear more important than we really are. That's called secularism or humanism. And it says, I'll be my own God and I don't need God because I'm more important. What I want is more important than what God wants. And then he goes on. He says, of these three things, none of them come from your father. The world and what its values is going to pass away, the scriptures say. But whoever does the will of God will last forever. Lives forever. So you choose. I choose. Am I going with God's value system? Or am I going to go with the world's value system and with its temptation? To always, here's how it it feels, to always want more. To feel more, to experience more, to be more. He says, if you hear people constantly shouting at you that you've got to be popular... You've got to be popular. You've got to be beautiful. You've got to be successful. You've got to be rich. For you to have any value, that, friends, is a lie. Don't be seduced by that. God says, 
I made you. You're my son. You're my daughter. You have worth. That type of lie is going to tie you up in knots and sideline you do down through dead ends until something wakes you up. And sometimes it's often a painful experience that wakes us up. So you're reading it on social media daily. And so what that happens to do is it desensitizes us to sin. And you think, everybody's doing this, so it must be okay. Stop the bus. Scripture check. Scripture alignment check. James 4.4, the brother of Jesus. And the Bible says this, don't you know? It's like, hey, hey, wake up a bit. Don't you know that to be a friend of the world is to be hostile to God? If your aim is to be popular in the world, you make yourself God's enemy. Whoa! How long is it since you read that scripture? I didn't say that. God did. You've got to choose. Do you want to be a people pleaser or a God pleaser? Your children are going to have to please that too. To choose that. I highly recommend from this day forward though, that you decide to set your heart to be a God pleaser. But if you're a people pleaser, you're going to be stressed out because they'll set you a target. This is what's beautiful, and then they'll change it. This, these clothes are in, and then they'll change it. This will, you get this, and then you'll feel secure, and you don't. And you want more and more and more. And you spend your entire life trying to please a world and its value system, and it just doesn't work. Third hazard. I can be drawn into unproductive arguments. Third hazard. Third hazard. It's very easy with social media. I understand when people make outlandish comments, an argument on the internet, but here's what the Bible says. Never. Titus 3.9, never. That means never. Never get involved in foolish controversies or arguments. Useless arguments, disputes about your personal pedigree. That means stuff about your family history or ethnic background, your genealogy. Don't get into arguments or fights over interpreting God's law. Don't do that. Never get involved. Don't get drawn in. How you interpret a particular passage. All of these, God says, are useless and do not help anybody. So if they throw something out, which they do. These guys are experts. They lob something at you in the internet and they try to reel you in. Very provocative. And they're trying to get you to bite. If you bite, they go, great, I hooked a live one here. They don't have to get the boat out and go fishing. They just got you. And they just haul you in. And you bite back and they do that. Let me show you a verse about this. Proverbs 26, 21. Just as charcoal and wood keep a fire going, a troublemaker keeps an argument going. They keep on arguing until you give up. But what does God say to do with those kind of people? Proverbs 26, 4. Don't answer their foolish arguments. Don't do that. That's why sometimes when people take shots... I'll just let them go clean over my head. Let the brick pass. Don't answer their foolish arguments or you'll become as foolish as they are. Now, what do people think about me is none of my business. It doesn't have any degree of influence on my happiness. Don't be worried about what other people think. Instead, I know that shocked some of you. I wanted it to shock you instead. Forget them. Forget them. Do this though. Instead, this is what you should be concerned about. This is really important. Matthew 12, 36. Jesus said, You can be sure that on the judgment day, you and I will have to give an account to God of every careless word that you have ever spoken. Be concerned about that. Forget what those jokers say. 
And that includes careless words on social media. What causes us to get hooked up on these kind of arguments and many arguments? If you're having arguments with your spouse, note and underline this verse. In fact, cut it out and stick it in the middle of your fridge and enlarge it. Here it is. Proverbs 13.10. Pride only breeds quarrels. <laughs> you take the pride out, any time you even find a conflict, it's because ego is involved. I want what I want, you want what you want. And neither of us is going to back down. And when my pride hits your pride, that's what's causing conflict. A good dose of humility is what is really needed before you go online and pick up that phone. Four, another hazard of the smartphone is I can be tempted to compete or show off. We often, in fact all of us in one sense, want to put our best foot forward. We do. We want to show ourselves in the best light and we want everybody to think that we've got it all together. Folks, can I just put it simply? Social media is a place to show off. Instagram and Facebook and Twitter or Snapchat and even LinkedIn showing off. Instagram reported, and I checked this, that over half of the pictures posted on Instagram are photoshopped. That's what your daughter's going to compete with. They're photoshopped. That's not reality. And most of them use one application. You know what it's called? Facetune. Skinnies this and fattens whatever you need and moves things around and Facetune. That's what they're all using. Instagram know that. And really what they're saying is I want everybody to see how beautiful I am or how smart I am or how rich I am or how perfect my marriage is or how brilliant my children are. People are actually showing off through social media. Matthew 23, 5, Jesus was getting at this. He says everything they do is for show. Before we had social media, we'd have a bit more humility about those things. The worst kind of show-offs, the one that irritated the heck out of Jesus, was the religious show-offs, trying to appear spiritual in front of others. He called it self-righteousness. It's a sin that he especially detested in the Pharisees. Everything they did was for show. They prayed for show. They didn't, they, they kind of just did it for effect. It was all about impression management. They gave for show. Never to their Heavenly Father and Son. They, the whole deal. They sang for show. They gave their offerings, etc. Would you write the sentence down somewhere? I can't be in the moment whilst I'm trying to capture the moment. I can't be in the moment whilst I'm trying to capture the moment. Be careful about parents. Your kids want you in the moment. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I want to show you a picture now. And I want you to tell me which of these people is really enjoying the moment. Not, is it there? That's the one. Which is the one that's enjoying the moment? Everybody's trying to take a shot, right? There's a little old lady, bless her sweet soul, with no camera, just smiling, enjoying the moment. She's the only one that's fully there. Jesus says in Matthew 6.1, and this is the Sermon on the Mount, be careful 
There's that word again, be intentional. Don't be careless. Be careful you don't do your acts of righteousness publicly by, to be admired by others. If you do, you'll only lose your reward from your Father in heaven. That's the exact opposite from what the world values is. Put it all out there. We really know all the good stuff. All impression management stuff. Let me show you a few more verses. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Who says you are better than others? What do you have that was not given to you? In other words, by God. And if it was given to you by God, then why do you brag? As if you didn't receive it as a gift in the first place. Actually, the breath I'm breathing right now is a gift from God. Literally. The heart that I have is a gift from God. The brain that I have, the abilities and the talent to do something with my life is a gift from God. So why am I bragging about it? Two more. Number five, I can get addicted to the approval of others. This is a big one. Huge. Needs to be talked about in church. I can get addicted to the approval of others. So what is it that makes social media so addicting? Well, everybody wants the approval and we want to be alike. So you post something and you wait to hear for that. And you go, oh, 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 goody, goody. I got a like, I got a like. And you kind of feel good. When you look, there's a little ding. And then somebody puts a heart on there. And then next minute, you've got nine people like me. And some of them, you don't even know you. But you feel good about yourself. The problem with this is when we get more interested and pay more attention to the opinions of people we don't even have close rather than those around us. We ignore the people around us whilst we're busy looking at the screens. Now, you might, has anybody found... You don't have to think about anybody, but I'd like to just take a quick check here. Has anybody ever come to your place? And when they're there, they pull out their phone and start looking. Has anybody had that experience apart from me? How does that make you feel? Huh? Leave your dad alone, Claire. (laughs) Let me show you a couple of cartoons. Here's a woman with, I guess, a husband and boyfriend, right? And she says here, do you mind if I strap your phone to my forehead so I can pretend at least you're looking at me when I talk? <laughs> that is a sad day. Here's one that I popped up on our Facebook page the other day. Cell phones bring you closer to the person far away from you, but it takes you away from the one sitting next to you. Be in the moment. You can be sitting at a table with everybody in your family, but you're more interested in what somebody on your device is saying than the people around you. That is wrong. And that's the problem, because if you're going to spend 11 years of your life doing that, then I can tell you one thing for sure. You're not going to have very good relationships with those immediately around you. Let me show you some scriptures that points to this. Paul says, am I trying to win the approval of people or the approval of God? Don't let public opinion decide what you believe, how you act, and how you feel. Because they're all heading in the wrong direction. It's like you're asking people for directions and they give you the wrong ones. Has that ever happened to you? Often I'm a foreign country. and I've actually been in some countries where there's no GPS, no nothing. No, not even cell coverage. And I ask somebody for directions and I go, oh, I'm not sure that's right. So I check with three or four or five other people and they're all, and sometimes I'll get five directions which are completely contradictory. Some of you are asking the world for directions and they're sending in the exact opposite direction where you need to go. Same for your children. Number six, I can be distracted from what's most important. This is very important. 
If I spend 11 blooming years of my life looking at the screen, a phone screen, a smart screen, it can, in, and it can interrupt your life as well, by the way. Then, if it can do that, it's running your life. You're playing a game of something with your kids. Next minute, the phone comes in. I have certain hours where this doesn't ring. People ring me shocked. Why didn't you answer your phone? He said, well, after 7 o'clock, this phone's turned off. It's not really. What it does is it actually blocks the hours. Unless it's an emergency when my ice calls, it doesn't come through. You need some space. Don't let it keep interrupting your life. If you do let it keep interrupting your life, it has become your God, small g. It can, it, can allow, it can be allowed to distract me from what's most important in my life. Even from your quiet time. You're trying to do that, bing, in the morning. Look at this, Luke 10, 40. Mary sat quietly at Jesus' feet listening to everything he said. Friends, you need to do that every morning. Every day of your life, you need to sit at Jesus' feet, listening to every, everything he says. Turn this off. It won't work. But Martha was distracted. Are you Mary or are you Martha? But Martha was distracted. Jesus says, Martha, 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 why are you worried and too distracted by many things? But really, Martha, there's only one thing that's truly important and Mary's chosen it. There's a choice involved here. If you have an opportunity... To look at your phone and your social media or spend quality time sitting at the feet of Jesus, what are you going to choose? If you're an average Kiwi spending 3.4 hours a day looking at this, how much time are you spending alone with Jesus? Something's a little out of whack here. This area might need some realignment in your life as a result of God's word today. How much input am I getting from the truth that sets me free compared to how much input am I getting from my cell phone that can end up not really satisfying me and can stress me out. 3.4 hours a day with that? I don't know anybody spending 3.4 hours with Jesus Christ daily. It can distract me from what's most important. Now quickly, I want to very quickly summarize five ways to use your phone for the glory of God. Number one, use it to let it express your worship. One of the five purposes God has for everybody. Use it to express my worship. God has not told us where we have to worship, but he has told us the heart we need to have for worship. Jesus taught us this. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Not just once a week when I come to worship with the church family, but true worship in spirit and truth all through the day through my life. Look at the next verse. Psalm 25. All day long. I put my hope and my trust in you. You can listen to God-glorifying songs throughout the day. In your car, you can listen to favorite songs and turn it up, sing along with it. Again, next slide. Here's a Spotify one that we're talking about, the actual, the actual page. You search for New Hope Worship Top 20, and there it'll pop up all the songs that we sing in the weekend. Help you become familiar and help you worship with them too, which is great. They're all there. It's free. So I can use my technology... To worship God. Secondly, I can use it to encourage fellowship that encourages community with other people. I can use the very tool that if used wrongly can break community to build people. I can use it to enhance and encourage connection. The Bible even tells us part of our roles as Christians is to encourage each other and give each other strength. Because guess what? 
You may be strong now, but there'll be a time when you're not. And somebody else in your circle may be weak right now that you need to encourage and strengthen. So instead of looking to social media as a place where you can get, you can get encouragement, look to the place where you can give encouragement to other people. Three, use it to enhance my spiritual growth. I use it so I can get closer to Christ on a daily basis because I have it with me on a daily basis. When I'm chopping the hedge, and I've got a decent hedge to chop, I've got my earphones on with my chaps and everything else like that, but I've also got that sitting in my ears and I'm listening or learning or doing something with that's moving me forward in the direction I want to go in God, bringing me the closer. Second Peter 3.18 says, Grow in spiritual strength and become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you use it to do that? Some of my, in fact, my daughter loves, we use another app called Uversion and that'll actually before I, I do too sometimes when I'm before I start to dive into the a, a deep dive into a particular book or a passage I will let it read to me because it, it reads it to you as well so if I'm out on the hedge or I'm driving the car I can't exactly read I can still have what I continue further to help me grow and become acquainted with God's word okay so grow in spiritual strength become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when you value God's word in your life, you're going to want more of it. So you're valuing spiritual growth in your life when you're engaging God's word more. And many people struggle with spiritual growth. And one of the reasons we struggle is we try to go spiritually based on one day a week. That'll never cut it, guys. It's like having one meal a week, a huge meal on Sunday, and I starve the rest of the week thinking I'm going to be physically healthy. That's delusional. With the tools God has given us, you can bring them into your everyday life. Things like, next slide. Uversion. You should have that on your phone. Great. It'll read to you, etc. Things like that. Next one. If you haven't got next one, right now, media. There are some of the best, there's over 10,000 free, re- basically the Netflix of Christian Bible study. There's great stuff, good stuff for kids, good value based things as well, Christian based values, not the world's based values. You should be using it. If you're a member of our church, you've got free access to this. Harness it and use it. Another one, if you've got some sticky questions, you need to go there. There's not hardly a question I know that my mates haven't put together on this one site. You've got questions about everything from the existence of God or some technical theological problem? That site is a really good non-technical but fact-based site. Great place to go. And it'll help you grow spiritually. Psalm 11937. I love this verse. It says, keep me looking at worthless things and let me live by your word. When we had kids at home, we used to put that by the TV. (laughs) Quite convicting. Look, let me be really clear. Let me, just for one minute, I feel impressed to say this to you. Imagine that you're sitting at home, you've got some friends coming home for dinner. Just imagine that, right? You set the table, candles, flowers, a whole lot. Your friends walk in, just you and them. And, um, and then after dinner, basically, they sit down on the couch, you sit on the couch, and next week you start to get, feel a little uncomfortable because your friends are getting quite cuddly there. And next minute, she takes off a top. And you go, what the heck? And next minute, they start making love in the middle of your lounge. Now you're laughing, but that's what we're letting into our house. People are doing that on TV. And we just sit there and watch. 
There's something wrong with this. It's promote. You would never. He said, oh, well, stop. This is not for our house, buster. There's a door, right? But we let this happen in our own houses. Some of the movies that we watch even on planes. Before, you could watch a movie on a plane and it was kosher. (laughs) If you can please explain. You know what I'm saying. All the vulgarity and, 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 and the frontal sex scenes, they were never there. The world's changing and your kids are being influenced by that. Keep me from looking at worthless things and let me live by your world. So it's a choice. What are you looking at for your spiritual growth? Number four. The fourth purpose of your life, by the way, is ministry. So how can I use it to expand my ministry? I start to think of social media as a place where I can serve others. For many years, I sent out a a newsletter to a business community called News You Can Use that went out to 16,000 people around the world. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So social media can be a place for you to serve others if you handle it right. Psalm 116, 12. What can I give back to God for all the blessings he's poured out on me? Now how, what I sometimes do is if I find a particular article that's helpful for that particular person, I will send that particular person that article. It'll encourage them. Maybe it's in their marriage. Maybe it's with their budgeting. Maybe it's with their spiritual growth. Maybe it's with their ministry. Five And lastly, I can use the tech to extend my witness. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20, Through Christ, God has made peace between us and himself, and he gave us, you, me, you, every one of us in this room that's a Christian, gave us the work. Here's your job. You just happen to be a builder. That's not your real job. That's not your main job. He gave us the work of telling everybody about the peace that we can have with him. That's called witnessing, and God gave us, whether you're a banker, a candlestick maker, or a butcher, or a plumber. doesn't matter. That's the work, the ultimate work he gave us, to tell us, to tell everybody else about the peace we can have with God. So we've been sent to speak for Christ. How's the job going? What's the job? How's the job going? Look at the next verse. 1 Chronicles 16, 24. Publish God's glorious deeds. I thought about that the other day when it was hitting publish. Publish God's glorious deeds to ev- among the nations. Tell everybody about the amazing things he does. So friends, in one sense, we have a disadvantage, but we've also got an advantage over other believers who've lived before in history. We have a tool that can literally go around the world. He said, go make disciples of every nation. Who's that talking to? You. And me. If you're a believer, you're to witness. You're to be an ambassador. And he wants you to share what you know with a lie about your life with the whole world. For 2,000 years, that meant jumping on some boat and spending months on horrendous horrendous conditions to go to another country to tell somebody. In recent years, you you don't have to get in a plane and travel around the world. You don't even have to move home, out of home. You can sit in your pajamas. And that's the benefit and the responsibility we have. No other Christians have ever had that in history. You can be a witness to the whole world through social media. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. If you do it on Twitter, you'll be your, uh, my tweetnesses, <laughs> Facebook or LinkedIn. Now, I want to summarize for some of you who want some practical application here, some more practical application. A couple of books, if you're interested. The first one is up here, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, by my friend Tony Wright. You can have a look at that, if you're interested in that. Another one worth reading, which I use for some of this message, is Tech Wise Family, by Andy Crouch. 
how to prepare your family for technology. Another place to go is the next slide. Here we are. Is the tech, uh, the NetSafe uh, site, which the government of New Zealand has put together. It's not bad. It's got some interesting things here about keeping your safe home, uh, your home safe. You wouldn't let somebody in that was dodgy, but they're coming straight to the door through your internet. How to stop that? So this is a really good site to go have a look at. Uh, this is a good one. The one on the right here. The consequences of sexting. Now, all of you know what that is, right? Just to make sure, for some of you who don't, and there's some of you who don't, that's taking nude pictures of yourself and sending them to friends. That's what that is, yeah. That's what it is, and that's happening. Not as much as people would say, but it's still happening, and there's pressure on your young girls to do that. Be careful. There's some good ways you can deal with, and boys. Boys aren't exempt from this. So that's a good site to take a look at. There's a whole bunch of stuff, as you can see down here. Pornography. Uh, well, gambling's not so much an issue now for the young kids. It is for teenagers. Next slide. This is a good one. Google, first thing. Parents, you need to ensure, I'm telling you, no exceptions, that Google Safe Search is enabled on all of your kids' accounts or you're going to have a sewer pond pouring into your house. Google safe search. Lock it, and it'll lock the whole thing down. You can also use this tool, which Google have used, so you can keep an eye on what your kids are doing, what's getting pushed to them. Highly recommend that. It's not foolproof, but it's very good. Next one. Okay, here's another one from McAfee. McAfee's a name which I don't really like, but Intel have got them now, bought them, so they're good. So these guys have got some other tools they can use in terms of their habits and to make sure that you're, the internet's a safe place for your kids. Next slide. Uh, Norton Family Premier, it's another good tool which can um, keep on top. See, it's easy when they're in your house. It's not so easy when they're using cellular data. This can help you. So can the other ones, okay? So these are some other thoughts. Next. Okay, again, this is good shot, um, a good shot back to the net safe. Parents guide, a safeguard to Instagram. You need to be careful on Instagram too. There's a whole bunch of things would make you blush on Instagram. And there's no way they can keep up with it. So there's some thoughts there which are worthwhile. Next. Okay. Now, this here, if you have not read this, so those of you going, okay, that's nice. Where's the facts? Family First have done and put together a top Dr. Eric Sigmund has put together some very substantial um, uh, instructions, recommendations that you can apply in your family and in your home. Because Family First is all about building a good, strong family. And all of the big numbers, the medical guidelines, um, yeah, the medical concerns, the psychological concerns, the sleep concerns, all based on university research. I highly recommend you have a copy of this. Because this is your family. As a man thinker, so shall he be. Thoughts are very, very important. Okay. So with that, I'd like to just close in prayer. Father, thank you for our time today, looking at your word. Perhaps some of you here today, would you say, God, I want to be a disciple in the digital age. I don't want to waste precious time, the time of my life. I don't want to be seduced by the world's values. I want to be a God-pleaser, not a people-pleaser. Father, would you help me be wise and not be drawn into unproductive arguments? 
And help me not be, to be tempted to compete and show off. I don't want to be addicted also to the approval of others. Would you help me with my children, even grandchildren? I don't want to be distracted from what's most important. So God, what I'm saying really is, would you help me to use the technology that I have to express my worship to you all day long? Help me to use my phone to encourage fellowship and encourage those who are down. To look for people to encourage and to show them love and honor. Would you enhance my spiritual growth as I listen to your word, listen to good messages, read good material, and buy good solid Christian books? Father, would you use the technology through me to expand my ministry to others who are hurting and need a helping hand or need some comfort? And Lord, I want you to use me to extend my witness. I want to publish the good news. So when I get to heaven, I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You shared the good news with other people around the world. And so I commit to doing that today. Would you give me new and fresh ideas how I can do that artfully with decorum and wisdom? Father, I thank you for our time today. And if there are those who are listening online or here now who have never committed their lives to Jesus Christ, would you just say, Jesus, would you come into my life, forgive me for my sins. I know I cannot be good on my own merits. I can never merit heaven, but because of your son came and paid the price for my sins, and I want to accept that payment for my sins I want to know you, and I want to learn to trust you and love you. I pray this in your powerful name. Amen.